Greetings, folks. Philip Bateman here from Bravo Charlie, and we're at the end of the Impact Investment Summit Asia Pacific. And I'm here with the lovely Rosemary Addison. We did this in the outside foyer of the 2019 summit in the big before time. And there's been two and a half years since then. And I was wondering, what have you changed your mind about since then? Well, first of all, it's nice to be here with you again, Philip, and literally to be with everybody at the summit. It has been two and a half years since we've had the uh, people who are working for Impact together in one spot, and everybody's really missed that ability to connect, and obviously people have been through a lot in the last two and a half years. Um, so I've changed my mind about a number of things over that period, First of all, the challenges that we're facing into really have been brought into stark relief uh, for uh, all of us in the way that we've experienced the pandemic and then uh, for many people who've been affected, particularly um, who have lost their jobs or um, who've had family members die or who are in uh, lower-income settings or countries where they've had insecure work. There are lots and lots of ways in which people have been affected. And at the same time, we've continued to see the effects of climate change coming through and to see the intersectionality between the issues that, um, you know, is a really important theme for the future, and I want to come back to that. We've also seen a real mindset shifts start to take place in a lot of places where people are understanding that sustainability has to be part of the agenda. We've seen a huge amount of money move mm. towards that. However, that money is coming into responsible and uh, um, ethical funds, ESG funds. We still have a significant gap in terms of capital going to where it's needed mm. to address the issues and to uh, ensure that there's richer opportunity for people everywhere around the world. Mm. So to give that some context, the IPCC's um, report recently says that the effects of climate change are you know, unequivocally a function of human behaviour. You know, we, we are changing the world as we know it and we are now at a point where we have scientists saying to us unequivocally that is going to change life as we know it uh, and that that will be profound for communities and particularly for uh, groups like Indigenous communities and others who depend on the ecosystems around them. They're also telling us that at a scientific level of certainty that these effects are now uh, what they described as cascading, compounding and aggregating, and that there's a real challenge in terms of whether our systems are equipped to, to adapt quickly enough. Mm. And during the period of uh, COVID and lockdowns, we've also seen the world slip backwards on significant areas where we'd made a lot of progress in recent decades. Mm. Fundamental shifts in poverty, we've gone backwards for the first time in 30 years. We've gone backwards in having kids in school, often obviously for good reason if we needed to have social distancing, but making sure that those millions of children end up back in uh, some kind of education system is not assured. So can I ask, when you say gone backwards, have we paused or have we fundamentally, like, lowered in our capabilities? Are we, like, off a growth track or are we 
have we really taken a, a yeah, hit? No, the, the UN data indicates that on measures, for example, reductions of poverty, we've actually gone backwards for the first time in thirty in three decades. Yeah. Um, which means that the trajectory that we were on, where it was still going to be a steep curve to meet the Sustainable Development Goals by 2030, mm. is now a monumental task in front of us. Mm. And so there's a lot of work to do. At the same time, people have been really wanting to connect more with meaning. I think there has been, in some cases, uh, um, you know, a profound sense of the importance of human connection and, and kindness. And we have seen people shifting their savings accounts and, you know, where they're held in different bank accounts. We've seen them shifting their, um, their investment and, and making different decisions, wanting to do more that's positive for the world. We're not there yet in terms of what's needed, though, for some of those shifts uh, and the solutions that are required to really be able to um, put us back onto that trajectory where we are making significant inroads to these problems. So that's a challenge in front of all of us. It's not just a capital challenge. It's also a challenge in terms of solutions. What we've seen in the last two years, though, is when, you know, when we're up against it, humans are good in a crisis um, and we've got really strong foundations to draw on. We, we have what it takes to solve a lot of these problems, the vaccines obviously being one of the key um, areas. Um, but our distribution systems turned out to be really clunky in terms of getting them across the world in a way that helped to, um, to minimise the number of variants and, and, um, and some of the other shocks and effects of the pandemic. So we know that our systems and our infrastructure need work. Um, the data now shows us that a climate crisis will be a health crisis. The World Health Organisation has named climate even more so than the pandemic on its own as the biggest health crisis that we're facing. And some of that is about food shortages, some of it is about susceptibility to disease, some of it is about uh, natural disasters and their after effects, some of it's about the inadequacy of our health infrastructure, particularly in places that need it most. Yeah. We also know those effects aren't evenly spread. So, um, you know, the, the disparities in terms of, of gender, women um, uh, represent eight out of 10 people displaced by natural disasters. Women and children are 14 times more likely to die or be seriously injured in natural disasters. Mm. So there's an inequity in how these things are spread and we know that the effects are much more profound in um, in some geographies and in um, countries that don't have the infrastructure um, or where the um, income systems aren't in support of. Mm. So the good news, though, is that we actually have the capacity to say, well, if that's the nature of the problem, how can we ensure our response is similarly cascading, compounding and aggregating? Yeah. And you know, that's language that capital can understand, that's language that business can understand, uh, but it will require us to do things differently. Mm. Um, we're not going to be able to tweak this at the edges or just um, you know, have a few add-on projects that we say this is aligned to the SDGs. This this is about what got us here is not going to get us where we need to go. Yeah. And we need to be thinking differently about the nature of the, some of the problems. And in the spirit of you know some of the conflicts we're seeing around the world, we need the best, brightest, most able people mm. being able to apply themselves to these issues as a priority. 
and people who are running organisations can create the space for that and where people um, aren't, aren't able to do it within their organisational frameworks and structures, then they need to be supported to step out from that. And when they do, fund managers and others need to get behind them um, and ensure that they can be successful, whether they're innovating solutions to some of the issues or whether they're setting up capital structures and funds to be able to invest in the things that will, will make a difference. Um, there needs to be focused attention on how we support those those leaders. So we really are putting our best people on the front line. Did you catch the did you catch the CEO of Greenpeace wandering around in his presentation? He, I did not. Wow. Well he was yeah, basically saying, you know, for the impact investing industry and private philanthropy, if we don't turn up and lobby the, polit the politics in Canberra or wherever it may be in the world to the degree that the fossil fuel industry is, we are going to get the results that we are getting. And that is his fundamental call to action. It's not give money to Greenpeace. It's like you need to get in the ring and do that. And you might not have the tangibility of building a school or something like that. But when we see budgets come out where climate action is being percentilely reduced on the next four years for an Australian context, um, lobbying at that level is something really important. And it's sort of a, a gloves off approach to not being apolitical anymore. Do you have any thoughts on that? I have a few thoughts on that. One is we can't wait for governments. The, the nature of the beast is such that um, there will be political um, you know, pressures and changes of government will bring different winds, but they may not move quickly enough for us. And so, yes, we should continue a constructive conversation, and I'll come back to that, but we can't wait for them. So we need to continue doing what we're doing. In the spirit of that, we also need to get behind the leaders who are trying to drive the ecosystems, who are trying to build the infrastructure in the market, um, who are trying to come up with the solutions, and um, and that require that does require funding, support, finance for those things that, as you say, don't have that immediate concrete um, connection, but are hugely important and have an amplifying effect, enable a lot more. Uh, activity to happen, that is critical. Part of that does need to be advocacy and constructive engagement with governments. There is no doubt that without government at the table, things will be slower and less impactful. Yeah. I just had a flashback that I think I said that the last time we met, but it's <laughs> just as true now. Um, without yeah. them engaging constructively, things will be will be slower. They are a big player. They have a lot to gain by um, by engaging with the people who are wanting to seek change. Uh, and so I think the challenge is how do we engage constructively from all sides in that conversation? Um, and while there is a risk we can be overly polite in it, we also need to not be marginalised in the process. You know, we've got to be at the table. How can we think about that differently and bring them to the table? You know, and so I think thinking about advocacy, but thinking about the advocacy in an also in unconventional ways and in ways that we can use the power that people do have to um, and to help government f see pathways to solutions so we build them a bridge to engage is also really important. And you said we have the systems now to move with confidence. Can you tell us more? Yeah, what I was talking about there is that we have aspects from the existing systems in, um, in markets, in policy, um, and particularly in uh, what's been done around the impact management and measurement to be able to engage with what's available and move forward in the right direction. 
Do we have every single piece and all the data we'd like to have mm. to have absolute certainty and precision? No, we don't. But at the moment, I see a lot of people and organisations waiting for that and and uh, potentially sacrificing being directionally correct for being precise, and they might end up precisely wrong. And so, <laughs> um, you, yeah. I think there's a there's a balance. But we we have some of my colleagues would argue we have better systems already in impact management and measurement than we have for risk, mm. and. Uh, I was also saying that in relation to thinking about breaking down the nature of the risk and also the impact risks, we actually have tools we can bring across from impact that help us to be much more granular, including understanding some of the risks from these, you know, these factors, what might climate mean, um, what might some of the unintended consequences be, are we worried about execution risk, are we worried about um, reputational risk, and being more granular about that will help us to work out what's most important and how we can move forward. So those tools are available. What I think as a movement and as a field we haven't done as good a job as we could yet is on helping people to know they're available mm. and um, to make them accessible in ways that people can um, can pick them up and use them, including in those organisations that are more established and where they've got existing systems so that they can, you know, see the pathways to actually be working with them. Mm. And I believe there's a great short course going around at the moment. It's about eight hours long. This is very exciting um, and I am very um, pleased to have been associated with the team at UNDP that supported uh, the Case Centre at Duke University to create a Coursera course that um, is embedding the fundamentals of best practice and the tools of impact management and measurement. It is a short course. It's, an, it's a, I would call it foundational. Mm. Um, and what's great about it is it tracks through the journey for, from an enterprise or corporate perspective and from an investor perspective. Mm. And so rather than explaining a tool to somebody that's out there, it speaks from the perspective of if you're trying to implement this in your organisation, this is how you can think about it and really orients around what does that look like in terms of a process of continuous improvement and engaging in a management process that will enable you to do the measurement and reporting mm. but isn't all about that. It's about decision-making, better decision-making. What's What's really exciting is that there have been some terrific and continue to be some terrific courses around. Most of them have been uh, executive education or educational courses that require someone to either take time out or um, you know, be able to travel. This is generally accessible for the first time, a broad-based course that speaks the same language that anybody can do for free or for a, a nominal fee if you want to get the certificate. So, um, you know, it... It lays out a plan that, frankly, you know, if we all started using some of these tools, there would be much more capacity to be talking in the same language, making sure we're focusing on, you know, the issues consistently in a way that would have a really compounding and aggregating effect. And it's not about measurement, it's about management. Mm -hmm. This is an absolutely critical um absolutely critical point. So measurement is necessary, but it's not sufficient. And it's not even always the starting point. Uh, so how do we think about impact as part of the strategies we're implementing? How do we integrate that into the way we're doing business or making investment decisions? How do we then um, collect the, the data and engage in a way that we're learning through the process and then continue to optimise for impact through it? 
out of that, you're also um, looking for transparency and the reporting, absolutely. But this is about building a management system akin to the way that we think about accounting. In accounting, we don't think about just sitting down once a year to produce the reports that get put out publicly. Any established organisation has an a management system that they're collecting data that they you know from which they can pull the information they need to make decisions whether it's at a project level or execution of um, of a, a new initiative or to look at a particular business line or to take the right information to the board mm. and so it's about what information do you need to make the decisions a management system also acknowledges what data might we need and shows can then show you what you have and what you don't have mm. Um, rather than looking at um, at just what can we measure, mm. and it takes you to a different place. So the core elements of a management system are really linking to the strategy, the integration and management, the transparency, not just about what you're achieving, but about how you're going about it, uh, and the governance to oversee that and in increasingly embed it into the organisation's culture and way of working. Mm. And I'll grab a final thought from you because if it looks like we're getting thrown out because they're packing up around us, it's because that's exactly what's happening. And um, you've already kind of told us what are you excited about, but what is your one piece of advice to coin the two questions that you use when you're interviewing people? And maybe there's something else you're excited about, so feel free to answer both. I am excited about a shift in the energy and... We are seeing shifts now in some of the major systems that will affect the way that we uh, that we engage and do business. Um, the biggest shifts we've really seen since Bretton Woods, um, and that that is exciting. That is a really big step forward. There's a lot to play out, but I'm excited about that. It's on the agenda. That's what we want to see. Uh, and the piece of advice I would give people is. Just get started and putting impact on the agenda is a really powerful thing to do. Once it's on the agenda, then it is part of the conversation and it's really helpful in terms of people developing an awareness around the impact of the actions that they're having. And then it's, you know, it's something that you can start to drive the conversation towards, well, how would we optimise for that? How would we look at both the positive and the negative impacts that we're that we're having um, and I say to people once you start that conversation it's like when you buy you know a red car then you know, the next time you go out on the road you see more red cars than you had ever been aware of before it creates an awareness that is a fantastic starting point so get started don't look for it to be perfect do it within a um, you know within a framework of, of management and you'll find that it gives you a way to move forward um, you were referred to as an ambassador and a guardian angel of this impact summit and i've it's been transformative for me it was the last time i was here it has been again the program's been amazing thank you melanie greblo and just thank you to everybody involved and yourself and i'll put the links to what we've been talking about in the description of this video if you haven't seen the new bravo charlie website go to www.bravocharlie.global and have a look it's good times and um thank you so much i look forward to more me too thanks philip Organisational leaders you know that are hell-bent on changing the world for the better probably don't have the most effective strategy when it comes to digital marketing and video, and that's why I'm here. Get me in touch with them so we can get on this mission and we can create change at a much faster pace.